0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about, ah, mumble about sometimes, I guess, all things Porsche. Uh, Steve's going to be here in a second. Steve is my co-host on this podcast. Steve is coming all the way from Australia. Uh, if this is the first time you've heard the podcast, uh, my name is Michael Barth. I'm usually in Bahrain. Uh, that's where I live at the moment, but at the moment, I'm just in London for a little bit. So this is coming out of London, it's, uh, well, I'll let you guys know, we re- I'm recording this on a Wednesday, it's actually Wednesday morning, it's almost 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, Steve is going to be uh, on the line from Australia, and in Australia it's about, I don't know, was it 7pm? 7 7pm 7 I think it is. Um, so we're going to get Steve, we're going to talk about all things Porsche, we're going to continue on from our podcast last week about Porsche hunting, buying a Porsche, uh, our thoughts, um, but anyway, let me get Steve and let's start talking uh, all things Porsche. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you didn't hear Steve swearing then. He was just swearing, but you probably just missed it. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. That's Steve in the background. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How are you going? I'm well. I'm just double-checking. I'm actually recording <laughs> in all the fun of it. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am recording. Um, can you hear my daughter hear? in the background? That's Steve's daughter. She's happy. She's not sad. She's happy. That's why she's crying. She doesn't she's happy to to from bed. her beating. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back. Um, Where are we? Porsche Cool Podcast, episode fifty-six. Steve, episode Mm fifty-six. Do you believe that? I do. You do?
1: Never doubted it for a second.
0: Yeah, we're getting up there, aren't we? Uh, Two a week. Two a week. We've been doing. If you if you haven't been watching the pod uh, watching the podcast, you don't watch them. You haven't been listening to the podcast. We've actually been doing two a week for quite some time now. Uh, Actually, I can tell you exactly how long. We're up to number ten of owner stories. Uh, and so the, what's that? 10, 10 weeks, 10 weeks. We've been doing two episodes a week. Just on that, actually, I'm going to jump forward on um, my list is, I've got a little, little bit of list here, a reminder list to keep me on track so I don't forget things I want to talk about. But let's just go to the owner stories because the owner stories, Steve, went up on um, Tuesday again.
1: Yep, um, I listened. No, it
0: was good. It was good, huh? It was good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's so
0: the guy's name, Greg? Greg, uh, Greg is, um, if you haven't listened to it already, it's Greg. Uh, Greg is from New Jersey. Uh, in the US. And Greg has a Speed Yellow 996, and I know you're a fan of Speed Yellow, Steve.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I tried to talk you into the Speed Yellow 996 GT3 at one
0: point? Yeah, I remember that. There was one at Autohouse? Yep. Oh, yep. there was
1: a, G- there was a 997,
0: 997 GT3 in Speed Yellow. I also tried to talk you into that. <laughs> I think a Turbo came up as well at one stage. I think there was a 996 yeah. Turbo doing the rounds as well in on Australia there for a bit. Do you remember that one?
1: Yeah, I think so. But admittedly, I, um, I, when I was listening to um, your, your chat with Greg, I was thinking, I wonder if it's the same in the States or the UK. Um, but I, I really honestly do reckon, and I think I may have asked um, Scott at Autohouse this, but I suspect that yellow is a very polarizing color and um, is harder to sell. I think it sits for longer.
0: Yeah, and I think I asked Greg that question. Was that the reason? Because he said he got a good, reasonably good price for it. I think.
1: Oh, uh, that's right. Um, yeah.
0: And I said that is that the reason why? Because the dealer just underestimates the color, or the color is a little bit, you know, people are a little bit mm. scared of colors. Um, mm. If you go to on Greg's uh, website, which is First Flat Six, um, you know where he, you know, he helps. Basically, he's turned his passion into helping other people find their nine nine six nine nine seven. P- predominantly, that's what he like. He help likes to help people with. Uh, in yep. manual, that's why his Instagram. If you look at his Instagram, which is first flat six as well, which I said in the podcast, that's the kind of cars he focuses on. Um, but I think it's great. I mean, he's turned his interest to, with the 996 generation and the 997 generation into I don't know into something that can be you know a business. And I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing. And I think that's helping others in the Porsche community. That's kind of what we're all we're all doing. Um, we I guess we're kind of doing it as well. Just chatting to people. Um, you know, I get so many comments and I should, uh, and I'm sure I've said this to you, Steve, I get so many comments that people said that this, mm. the podcast that we do is really help people during this year, during the pandemic. Yeah, sure. And a lot of people sure, have sure. found us because they've listened to us during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's been, and I guess that's what it is. It's just, you know, we all have to, we're all sort of reconnect, we're connecting with each other and, and keeping each other afloat, I guess, and, and I guess, you know, things like this podcast and other podcasts, that's that's what it is, you know what I mean? Um, I'm assuming, I guess... um, pretend you
1: were in Sydney too, like I'm assuming um, if you were with your car um, and at first you were kind of doing more YouTube um, vids, um, it would be a lot harder to kind of um, make kind of good video content in during the pandemic, right?
0: Yeah, I think so, unless you're just sitting in the car by yourself talking. Um, yeah,
1: much, yeah. much, much harder to kind of, um, and it's obviously more it, time consuming as well. It,
0: but. it doesn't seem to have stopped a lot of YouTubers though. I don't understand even like during this current lockdown in the UK, I'm, i mean, you know, those, mm. I'm not going to mention the names, but the well-known YouTubers from the yeah. UK, they're, they're just still making videos. So I guess they yeah. class themselves as an essential business. I don't know how that could be an essential business, but I guess that's what they do. Um, mm. but <clears throat> and excuse my voice this morning. I've actually got a really croaky throat. And as I just said to Steve off, off recording, um, you always worry when you get a sore throat now that you've got corona. Like it's really bad, isn't it? As soon as you get any kind of like feel a bit ill. Can I get the think, stick, mate? You know? Can I get the get, stick? And then when I heard Lewis Hamilton is, is positive from being in Bahrain, oh. I thought, oh, he didn't get it from Bahrain, did he? But apparently he didn't get it from Bahrain. He was in contact with someone before Bahrain, yeah. I think it said. But, right. you know... Coronavirus, you know, you get tested two or three times and you're negative and then you're positive. You know what I mean? Yes. It's it's a weird thing. Um, But anyway, back to Greg's story. I think Greg's story is really good. So thank you, Greg, for being on that. And if you haven't listened to it already, um, like I said, it's the last episode, uh, not this episode, it's the episode before, Porsche Good Owner Stories that we do every week with Porsche owners around the world. Um, I've had Steve, um, I've actually had about three people reach out to me in the past week Uh, And I'm tied up What I'm trying to do Is I'm tying up Quite a lot of recordings Over the next week So that we can give All the listeners You know um, A Porsche Code Owner stories Going into December Into January We'll try and keep This podcast going Over the break um, But we'll see How we go with With Steve With his family time You're like Father Christmas man yeah, I know. So at the moment, at the moment, I can I can get us to the end of December with owner stories. So I, with the that's people cool. I've organised, uh, and some good ones coming up. I'm not going to give it away. I just told Steve with, who one of them is going to be. The one I'm recording tomorrow morning mm. with a guy from New Zealand, and I think that's going to be a really interesting one. So that's happening. And then there's another one on Friday morning I'm doing as well. So I'm doing two uh, two in the next couple of days. Early starts for me though because of the time zone difference here in in the uh, in the UK. All right, nice. um, Patreon, um, no shout-outs this week, no new members. It's very sad. It makes me upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't cry, mate. Porsche Cooled exclusive. I'm just going to give a little plug because we don't have ads on this podcast, so I guess this is not an ad. This is it just asking for support. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, if you want to help us uh, keep chatting, if you want to help us uh, upgrade our equipment, you just go over to Porsche Cooled uh, on Patreon. You can go to Patreon do a search for Porsche Cooled podcast or Porsche Cooled, it comes up straight away. Um, or you just go, uh, what is it, patreon.com slash Porsche um, So if you go over there, it's pretty easy um, and you can join Porsche Cooled Exclusive and you get certain benefits and things like that, but mainly just to help support us uh, keep talking. Um, we had another podcast review during the week, Steve, which is really great. So I want to thank you to Six Speed GP, who I think I know who it is, and I'm not going to say, but I'm pretty sure I know who it is. So thank you for that uh thanks for giving the review of the podcast all the reviews that we get on apple ratings if you don't want to write a review you just give us a rating uh it like i said it helps us get seen especially in the u.s where there's a really like very competitive podcast market so it helps us push us up the charts in the u.s so that you guys other guys like like like-minded people like us who love porsche uh can get to experience the podcast as well what else steve um
1: do know, mate. You're on a roll. I'm just. I'm on a of...
0: roll. You're just sitting there. You're just waiting for me to finish. <laughs> 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 uh, Why don't I just sit here the whole for the next hour?
1: That's
0: what I usually do in client meetings. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, this. I, I just want to update about last week. The slate grey. Back to my nine twelve passion. My nine twelve search. Um, hey. I found something really interesting, actually, about nine twelves, but uh, about the price compared to start. other cars. And I want to say it in a second. But the slate grey one that was for sale in the UK. Um, mm. it literally lasted, I don't know, four days. I mean, I lit- I had a notification and it came up that it was listed because I have a notification mm. from that site. Um, mm. and it's gone already. And it just shows you the power of, and you know, it was 59,000 pounds. So it's not cheap. And, but it was cheap for a nine twelve. I think you said it was cheap because it was nut and bolt restoration. It was fully restored. You know yep. what I mean? So when you yep, think yep. about it that way, 59,000 pounds, it was fully restored. Um, and I yep. guess it shows that there are a lot of people who don't want to mess around. They want the classic, I guess it's like getting a 911, but if you've got a 911T or a 911E of that same era, fully restored, it's going to cost you probably you know twice or three times as much. You know what I mean? So there I guess in that narrower, respect.
1: A narrower kind of group prospective clients though.
0: I mean, it was a lovely example way. though. Yeah, but it was a lovely example because that slate grey is such a popular colour, you know what I mean? And also, like I said, there was one at uh, Revival 912, or it still is, for £79,000, £20,000 more. So anyway, that went Yep. just an update on values. So things are selling reasonably quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting because uh, another one came up, Steve, on, what is it called? Beverly Hills Car Club. A 65 came up. A 65 is the three gauge, and it's painted dash behind the three gauges. So it's like the 356 Dash in a way. That's only just come up in Togo Brown, which I think Togo Brown is scarier than sepia brown. It's a bit of a scary color. <laughs> <laughs> like, <seriously>. like shit? <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit, it's a little bit. I find it a little bit scary. It scared me when I looked at it last night. Um, fawn, interior, it, fawn interior, a Togo Brown fawn interior. It doesn't really right. sell it to you. Um, but that's 54,000. That's US. So it's 54,000 US. And that's not restored, but apparently it's a sought-after example. But I remember that, and I'm just getting onto to values again, how quickly they change with Porsche, how you really, our thing where we keep saying you can't wait, you know, I worry about this thing waiting for whatever you're looking for. Um, hmm. Because the 912 3-gauge was about 39 to 45, and a couple came up when I first started looking on Beverly Hills Car Club in March, April, and they were mm-hmm. in green, there was a green one, which was immaculate I think was i think it was forty five the green one so even this you know this one doesn't look as in as good a condition, and this one he's got a fifty four so you can see the prices even with him um, and he sells a lot of cars that are rusted and you know they they need work, you know what I mean like he just literally mm-hmm. finds them and sells them so is this three gauge that's kind of
1: body painted um Kind of cluster thing. Is that yeah. um,
0: less or more desirable? Depends who you talk to. I mean, I prefer the five gauge personally because I like how it looks mm. more like the nine eleven. I don't think yeah, the nine eleven ever had three gauge, did it? No, I know. No.
1: Yeah, so the
0: five. Yeah, so the very first nine twelves, the sixty-fives, were basically this, you know, they basically had a detuned detuned or tuned three five six engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, detuned. Super 90 engine, I think, is in the 912, the original 912. So it wasn't the Super 90. It wasn't the 90 horsepower one. It was slightly detuned. Um, But it wasn't the base 60 horsepower engine that was in the 356. It was a slightly in-between one they put in the 912. And then Mm -hmm. the three-gauge, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't really like the painted look. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I did see a five-gauge one the other day too, Steve, that was actually painted behind the dials. I don't know if that was a Mm -hmm. standard option or an extra option. It was actually painted body colour behind the dials. That's the one thing I really liked about Greg's 996, actually, which I said. I don't know what it is. Yeah, the the 996, out of all the models, when that centre console is painted in the 996, it really does just transform the car, don't you think, inside? Yeah. I I mean, aesthetics is obviously very subjective,
1: but... um it's probably just because the, there's a lot of plastics in the 996, and they're not the greatest quality. It's sort of a little bit shinier rather than that sort of soft touch thing. So yeah, I reckon it's probably something to do with that. No, I look, I reckon they look good in 997s as well. I'd, I know when you've been sort of toying with the idea of you know playing and tweaking your 997, I think I've always sort of said to you, I reckon um, a silver center console painted. Console would look really good in
0: your car. I'm not against it actually, because as a cost Mm. exercise, it's obviously. Mm. And I did get a quote from um, Linus in the UK for the console. It was quite expensive. Once once you had the part into it, if you didn't get, if you had to get a part, but getting it painted, going to a good paint shop, getting the center console done in Arctic Silver. It's yeah. not a bad idea. I always worry about how it's gonna wear. Like if I'm gonna really if I'm gonna bash something against it, it's gonna chip the paint off and it's gonna look no, tacky. Same,
1: but as, same as your um, the outside sort of bodywork. You're gonna you're to gonna have to kind of hit it pretty hard.
0: Yeah. So I think if um, you could if I could find like if, if you could find a cheap console, I'd still like to have my original console, but if you could find a cheap one and then get it sprayed, how I don't know that how one much one I, ages huh? ago. Yeah, I know you found how one. Did that Still's one, ages good ago. at yeah, I know. Steve always finds these really cheap parts, and I always ignore them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, onto onto parts though. Um, I yeah. did find the dashboard and parts. You oh know, yeah, yeah. Anyone yeah. listening to the podcast, do not go to eBay and search for these because I've still got them, and there's only two left, and I don't want anyone to buy them.
1: <laughs> um,
0: well, you, t- do <laughs> under- you do understand the concept of the World Wide <laughs> Web, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, So they're the two dashboard ends because you got me into the thing, maybe I should get the dashboard ends done. And then I thought, well, I don't have a leather dash. I told Tasha about it and she looked at me like my wife and she looked at me like I was a bit crazy, like why would you want just the ends when you don't see them? But then I thought, oh, maybe it does work. And then I found the part on eBay and they're only £10 each for the ends. Just get it. And then I was going to send them to – £10. I was going to send them to the guy in the UK, you know, because it's from this – this seller actually is quite a good seller. He has – he's in the UK – He's got a name which is based on an 80s band, a guy who was a lead singer in a 1980s band. That's the name of his eBay channel, which is eBay account. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it away because someone will go and buy these parts. But he actually has a lot of other Porsche parts there for 997. I'm think thinking the link. Boy George. Yeah, no. starts with Steve. <laughs> Steve is the first word, believe it or not. Right. Um so I was looking at those, Steve. I was thinking about maybe I'd get that. So I emailed uh, the guy in the UK, um, asked him what's happening with my sunroof, leather sunroof part, um, oh, and yeah, asked and? him how much it would cost for that. I'm still waiting. So it hasn't been a week oh, yet. Yeah. So wait for another, wait for a week, and I'll eventually get the thing. The good news is, um, the part that went to me to me by mistake from uh, that he sent to me by mistake and didn't send my part. That's actually arrived in the UK now. It's taken so long. It's like been three weeks. So that arrived at... um, They tried to deliver that to Nick yesterday. I don't know what Nick was doing. Nick wasn't home, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) The typical mailman thing. Oh, we tried to buzz and you weren't home. I've been home all day. I mean, that that (laughs) happens in Australia all the time. At at my place in Sydney, every time there's a delivery, it's like, I'm watching it, I'm watching it, and then it goes attempted delivery, and it's like, not home. It's like, what do you mean, not home? Uh, I
1: just... I've just taken to having everything delivered to my parents because they're retired and they're home and where they live, the mailman can drop something off like on the doorstep and no one's going to nick it. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's just easier.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. Um, All right. So that's about it. I just want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about Ferrari because I don't want to upset people, but I don't have a problem with Ferraris, 80s Ferraris. (laughs) You know what Uh I mean? But I was looking at the nine twelves and I thought, how does it how does an eighties Ferrari compare in price to a nine twelve? And I was a bit surprised, Steve. Um, cheaper. The three two eight GTS, for example, if you look at Bring a trailer and you look at the past sales, and I was looking at this last night to, to talk about this today, you know, there's somewhere around forty five to fifty five thousand US dollars. What what's Matt Farris? Three two eight GTS.
1: Yeah, right. Because he, he sort of said on his um, whatever platform at some point that uh, the equivalent um, 80s Carrera is significantly more expensive, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking, you know. The, uh, I'm just trying to do mm-hmm. a conversion now to see what it is in pounds because I can't remember what the... Com- okay, sorry, we just had a technical difficulty there, but we're back. Um, Michael's yeah, calculator 3- died. Yeah, something <laughs> happened. The 328 GTS is... 45 right. to fifty five thousand US dollars there's some obviously there's some that are higher um so when you think about the one I just said the 912 that just came up the three gauge that's 54 thousand. us you know what I mean right yep so compared to what they I mean it just shows you the the, the value of Porsches Steve you know, I'm lifting my hands up and down to Steve here but the, the value of Porsches mm-hmm. is quite strong you know what I mean like you Michael's juggling for everyone out there yeah you forget you forget how um you know and I guess the Something like a 328 or 80s Ferrari, you compare to the, I would compare it to the uh, SC, to the 911 SC, Mm -hmm. even though the SC is finished in 83, I think it was 78 or 79 to 83. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess the 3.2 Carrera, which is like what your uncle used to have, that's what, 84, is it? 84 to 80?
1: No, his was 86 or 87, I think.
0: Yeah. I think
1: so it was 86 three, onwards.
0: It was 86 onwards. Yeah, I think 32.2 Carrera, I think was 84, 85 in the US, to about 89. So 90 is when the 6.4 came out, right? The 9.6.4 came out? 89, yep. Um, so when you compare it to those prices, you know, it's it's interesting how strong the value of Porsches are. You know what I mean? Because, um, mm. you know, that Ferrari is that three two eight GTS that Matt Farrow bought. Is a very is of all the Ferraris is a very reliable Ferrari, and if you listen to Matt Farah's podcast, you've heard him ramble on about the fact that you don't have to drop the engine to do the to do the belt, so you just go in through the wheel arch.
1: But I wonder, in a straight, I don't know, like, don't call it one year, call it like a five-year ownership proposition between the two kind of cars. Um, surely a Ferrari is going to be a hell of a lot um, more expensive to maintain, like. Um, parts and labor and everything
0: would. I think so. Would it not be? I think so. I mean, when you read anything about this, uh, and we're talking about this today because we are talking about buying Porsches, and this is the continuation from last week's podcast, so we're kind of getting into that. If, if, if you're wondering why we're we'll talking get to about it. Ferrari, yeah, no, but we're talking about Ferrari yeah. because it is, it is. You know, when you're looking for a car and you're looking for a 911, Steve, you're looking yeah. at options too. You might think, huh, you know, even if you're buying a new 911, maybe I want the Vantage V8, maybe I want the, you know, maybe yeah. I want a Ferrari instead of a nine sure. 911 Carrera. So you've got to look at sure. values and people weigh these things up. But I think you're right. I think even though they say the maintenance on a 328 GTS is not that much, um, it could so you're be… talking
1: comparatively to other Ferraris as opposed yeah, to… Yeah, I think they
0: always comp- yeah. they compare it to the 308. Um, when I yeah. looked into this a little bit, they compare it to the 308 and they compare it to the 360, Modena. Or a 355, yeah. 355, yeah, well, 355,
1: 355. sounds like it's
0: horrendous. Yeah. yeah, and if you're into Ferraris, the, the 355 Ferrari is apparently the worst for costs. Some people say. But it's
1: beautiful as all hell.
0: It's beautiful though. And I did read that yeah. on Ferrari chat that people were saying that they people who have owned both said yes, over a four-year period, um, yeah. it will cost you – it will definitely cost you more. Um, yep. It will cost you more to hone But it's interesting And I will actually give it away Because I do want to give it away Because I'm going to ask um, The person that's coming on the podcast so I have a, a guest coming on Porsche Good Owners Stories Who I'm recording tomorrow Who actually does own uh, two Porsches And he does own a 328 GTS um, So I'm going to be I might actually just pick his brain about that About his about his running costs actually um, uh. And just see what he um, what he thinks about it um, If it is if it is comparable or not It would be interesting to see mm. um, So that's that Um, something I wanted to tell you, Steve, what was it? Oh, Uh -oh. and I haven't checked my Instagram this morning. So I don't know whether this was a mistake or a typo from Porsche. Uh Um, but Craig, who was on owner stories, Craig has got the 997, uh, P997.1, P997.1. Oh yeah. Similar to my Instagram, Craig with the blue one. Yep. Yep. Oh, it was a good story. Craig sent me a message and said, you know, because he's been after the tire pressure sticker on the inside of his door jam, yep. And I told him to contact um, Carbone because I know Carbone yep. make all those stickers. They don't necessarily have yep. them on their site. Uh, his car had some yep. respraying done, which he mentioned in the story, yep. so he didn't have those stickers. And he also doesn't yep. have the ones, I think, underneath the bonnet. Um, so I gave him... Uh, Wakin Joaquin, Wakin's uh, details, who I found on Renlist years ago, because um, I was missing one of those stickers from my book, and he uh, made them for me. They
1: don't do those underbonnet ones on a nine nine seven, do they?
0: Yep. My nine nine seven has the under bonnet. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Nine nine seven has the under bonnet, and it has it in the in the in the book. But the thing with these stickers, as you know, and house always the guy. At, uh, what's the name at order house Told me that. Chris. People used to throw them away. Yeah, Chris was telling me people they they'd, you know people would throw it away. They'd throw one away and yep. put one in the bonnet, or they might put them in the book in the bon underneath the bonnet. And some cars, like when he was doing 993s or something, I think it was, he said, you know, that sometimes they were just thrown away. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that important. So that's why there's some missing. Mine was actually missing the one from the manual from the service book, which you know about. Yep. yep. Um, and I got Joaquín from Spain to fix it up, and right. Joaquín. I found through Renlist, and he's highly regarded on Renlist. If anyone wants the details, just just send me a DM, and I'll give them his details. He's still making them. Two years later. I'm
1: looking at you strange because I'm still kind of trying to work out whether or not I thought they they were definitely the underbonnet ones, which is sort of like one of the telltale signs of when you sort of check out a car. Yeah. Um, I definitely know that they were kind of one of those things that everybody
0: religiously
1: kind of makes sure that you've kind Doesn't of got a nine nine three. I thought in 996 they did, but I thought they phased them out on 997s.
0: No. Nope.
1: It's still in the book, but I don't think they kind of um, stuck them on the underside of the bonnet.
0: I don't know. I need somebody to kind of adjudicate. I think you're wrong. (laughs) I think you're wrong, too. Mine's got it underneath (laughs) the bonnet. Anyway, the story is if you need someone to make those stickers up for you, I I know that um, Carbone does them now as well, and I know there's an eBay seller I found on eBay, and they were really expensive. Uh, this guy yeah. in Spain is really good. And I gave I passed it on to Craig because Craig was interested too. I'm not sure if Craig contacted um, Joaquin. Uh-huh. I think it's Joaquin. I'm probably saying it incorrectly. Um, but anyway, two years after the fact, I didn't even put my I, – I got one and I didn't even look at it. Before I left Sydney last January, I looked at it and it was incorrect. Yeah. The number was incorrect.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't even check it
0: properly. I just got it, left it in the envelope and didn't even check it as I do. Um, so I just sent it, I just sent a message to him. I sent an email to him and said, "Look, can you fix it up for me? You know, of uh-huh. course I'll pay him." He actually uh-huh. did it for free. He actually sent it to me for free. Really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. But the twist of this story is Craig had contacted Craig contacted Porsche uh, South Sydney. I think it was Porsche South uh-huh. Sydney or one of the Porsche dealers in Sydney. Yep. Uh, this week, actually, because he sent me a message. And I'm not sure because yep. he was going to recheck with him if it was a typo. And he wanted the tire yep. pressure placard sticker, which is on the door jam, which I think is a black yep. sticker. They quoted him $350 US. Oh, $350 Australian. Yikes. Yeah, $350 Australian. So Craig's point was, and I think I would think the same, and I, like I said, I haven't checked if this is a typo. Um, mm. Craig was saying, I have to check with them. Maybe they meant 35 but I have a funny feeling. I have a funny feeling. Thirty-five sounds too cheap for Porsche, so it probably is three hundred and fifty. Yeah, I just ordered something
1: for that. Sounds extraordinary. What did I? I was helping my uncle out, so I reached out to um, Sarah, who I normally deal with at um, Porsche South Sydney, and I was just getting a cigarette lighter, which was missing for his point two. Okay, that was fifty bucks. So I thought that was. I thought that's a little cheap, bit dear. But really, I think that's cheap
0: yeah, for a cigarette lighter. Yeah, that, makes, that makes that sticker sound really expensive. It must have been. Yeah,
1: the I price. was just trying to give you a reference point, <laughs> point. and I've got a, I've got, got a couple of little plastic interior plugs. So while I had her there, I just sort of said, "I oh, can you order, um Can you grab these parts for me?" She didn't give me a price, but, um, yeah, was I'm that for expecting your uncle? like even? No, that bit was for me. Little little plugs just for the inner door sill.
0: That's because we spoke about plugs last week and I said oh, how I had all my plugs replaced.
1: Yeah. There was also, you know, like when you open your door near... Oh, how can I explain this in an audio thing? I can't. There's a little clear bit of um, sort of film that sits when you open your door um, where the latch is, where your door kind of goes to the latch, sort of right yeah. in front of your eyes. Yeah. I, that's kind of clear film. It's sort of like shaped like a little like your finger kind of thing. It oh, sits really? there. And I ordered that from, <laughs> from South Sydney and I, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like $14, which was insane. Clear the, film. Just like a little bit of... Yeah. What does the film do? Nothing. Uh, I'm assuming it sort of stops a certain bit from rubbing at some point. And it was actually the second thing that I did. Remember you asked me the question when I picked up my car? Yeah. Because my car's white and you open the door and you can sort of see that thing and it gets quite yellow um so it looks pretty horrible and i just kind of replaced it again but right. i thought that was pretty kind of rich for like a little bit of plastic yeah, a little film bit. but
0: so how was um did you get the so last week you're talking about those magnographic things did they arrive
1: they did um which i, I do know they
0: arrived i see them <laughs> <laughs> tell everyone
1: steve what do you think of them anyway are they any good Uh, So, yeah, the magnographic wheel is you just got to make sure it's clean before you apply it, and it's also dry. It has some fairly clear instructions. I just put them on to kind of see what they look like, and I sent you some pics. Like I said in the previous thing, they're not exactly the same template as your existing clears because um, the bottom of your car kind of curls over and it needs a bit more of a flat surface to sit on.
0: Right, Um, right. But the shapes are okay. The quality.
1: Though. It looks. I, I saw the it, picture.
0: It looks okay. It looks similar.
1: It's the where there's sort of tight uh, corners or like the curved corners on the actual template. It's not super clean, um, so could be a little bit better. But you know, look um, from a distance, you'll never notice. It, you'll never notice. Um, I'll go for a drive this weekend. I'll probably might go for a drive with them on and see if they how they hold up whether they actually stay on but everything i read like everybody sort of said like um there's no issue with it they'll stay on like just don't stick them don't apply them to your car when they're um wet and um if the whole idea is that i can peel them off whenever i feel like it because i'm sick of the um black kind of look then you know it serves its purpose
0: yeah yeah looks good so how's the um yeah. so your uncle's 9 nine eleven? What's he's, yeah. he's going to get some paint correction done? You said.
1: Yeah, he was he was picking my brains about um, uh, ceramic coatings and all that sort of stuff, and I just sort of said, to him, "Look, I'm still in the dark ages, you know." I, I watch, I watch things, I read things, blah blah blah. Um, and he he was umming and ahhing, and then he sent me a thing sort of saying he's booked it in. He's found a guy. Um, I looked up the guy that he was kind of sending it to, and he sounded like he knew what he's doing. So I'm really quite keen like the guys uh just in case just to recap um my uncle's got a 991.2 carrera s in midnight blue or night blue um and it's only got 8800 kilometers um paint looked pretty clean to me but i think you know it sounds like it's just a bit of a a bit of a rabbit hole because you know like if you're going to go and get the ceramic coating done which is kind of what he wanted you actually have to kind of make sure the paint's pretty schmick before you correct it yeah you go and do all that stuff and this is the same if you were going to apply um ppf so then you've got to pay like somebody to kind of spend like a day and a half like you know doing the paint correction and that's to me that's the bit where you kind of want to make sure that if somebody's you know taking some something off your clear coat that that's actually kind of done properly so yeah Look, he's taken the plunge Um, on a dark blue car. I'm sure it'll look amazing. Like, look glossy.
0: It's um, not a cheap job, though, is it, to get a paint correction and ceramic coating? Um, I noticed on the site. I had a look at the site you told me about last week, um, Aussie Cosy, and I went to that site because I was looking at the PPF, and he has prices on his site. I think. Yep. He does. Yeah,
1: that's not cheap either.
0: Yeah. And th- this guy that's working on
1: my uncle's car. I'll talk about it more when it goes in. It's it's think... booked in just before Christmas, but um, um, like he does he does film as well. Um, and I know like once you kind of start reading up on it, like there's lots of trains of thoughts about the whole thing. And some people kind of get their cars wrapped with film and then ceramic coated. <coughs> um, no, I, I had know. a look at
0: I had a look at Ozzy Cosy because he uses a G Tech. Is it G Technic? techic or whatever it's called that I'm ceramic not sure coating which one uses. Yeah, yeah i think it had that on there and i think it was 600 australian dollars to do it and then i looked at the price of the stuff in the 100 mil bottle or 50 mil bottle and mm. obviously it's a lot mm. cheaper but you have to do it yourself so i don't know how hard it is to do the coating on the on the whole paint yourself um, this is the conversation i was having with my uncle cuz my cousin um,
1: who's well into cars as well um, Um, applied, did a do-it-yourself type thing. Like, you know, it looks like the sort of thing that I'd kind of have a crack at myself, but um, with my car specifically, it's more the paint correction that I'm not sure that I'd really want to kind of just go and sort of do that myself. And just the other part of that conversation is, like, if you get your car looking that pristine and then you kind of get the ceramic coating or the PPF or whatever, maybe not so much the PPF, but I reckon it would just make me not want to drive my car quite so much because i would want to i would want it looking you know so pristine particularly if i'd just spent yeah call it two grand to kind of get it to that spot to get
0: it done and yeah Yeah.
1: i don't really want to get to that point
0: i'd I'd just
1: rather enjoy my car and you know stick to old old old-fashioned you know wash and wax and you know and and also because i kind of enjoy that enjoy it yeah
0: um, it's fun exercise yeah it's fun it's relaxing Let's go back to let's go back to just quickly about your friend uh, picked up his GT three.
1: Yep, yep. So my mate um, happy. I'd, I might get him. I might sort of propose that he um, see if he wants to chat to you on an owner story type thing. But um, long, long, long story short was that last Sunday he drove to Bathurst to pick it up. Um, met the kind of seller like. Um, more than halfway, I guess it was, blah, blah, blah. So it's a, what's Bathurst? It's like a three-hour drive? Bathurst is about a three-and-a-half,
0: three-and-a-half-hour drive from Sydney. Mm. Um, Yeah.
1: So he got to, I mean, you sort of hear things in the States where people kind of do that a lot, fly somewhere and then drive it home. Um, He sent me a text and he said he was nervous beforehand, all that sort of stuff, Um, understandably so, because he hadn't seen the car, don't believe he'd driven a GT3 before. Right. Um, blah 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 um and then he said that he was super happy with it exceeded his expectations all the things that i you know i guess the way i feel about my car or well, you you've taken mine for a reasonable sort of spin yep you know he sort of mentioned the sound the grip, all of that sort of stuff the car the car was on um trofeo r's like probably right. Trafeo r's which were mega grippy tires and it's been really hot in sydney um it was two consecutive 40-degree days the other day. So Did
0: you say he had two, <laughs> he's got two sets of wheels or one set of wheels then?
1: Mm, so his car, the car he got was um, similar um, Carrara White to mine, same year I think, 2008 or 2007, yeah. um, comfort spec. But um, the seller was an older guy apparently um, and was very honest in his ad. sort of said, yes, it's done, you know, kind of, track time so it came with a racing seat because um it otherwise had comfort seats the standard comfort seats came with a racing seat harness harness bar uh, extinguisher spare set of spare set of wheels with um the trofeo r tires um
0: what wheels were there? gt3 wheels
1: no, aftermarket ones. I've I've seen the picture of it. They were black wheels, um, just sort of like a simple five-spoke thing. So how did he not, carry all that back?
0: A, how did he get all that back to Sydney? If he's he just didn't.
1: Yeah, oh. he didn't. He drove it away with some of that stuff there, and um, the rest of it has to kind of be sent to him.
0: He has the proper spare seat, though, the comfort seat, because I noticed it's got some racing seat in it. He's got both the original seats, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He's got
1: the comfort seats. Yep. Yeah, I'd switch the yep.
0: seats out straight away. That's what I would do, back to the comfort seats.
1: Yeah, look, I'm super keen to. Uh, well, we're catching up on Sunday. I'm going for a, kind of a drive. So we've been. I hadn't spoken to this mate in a little while. Um, I worked with him like um, a few years ago. Blah blah blah. Um, but we're going to go for a little drive up north, like really early on Sunday morning. Um, and Not no south? doubt I'll be. No, he's also into his sports bikes. So I think he's got like a bit of a favourite route of his own, which is sort of up Old Pack Highway way.
0: Oh, is this Heading the guy that bought? Kind of is this the guy that used to own the Ducati who bought the Ducati all those years ago? No, different guy. Different oh, guy. Right, I thought it was um, that Ducati.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. right. Oh, That'd be good. It'd be interesting to know how it goes when you drive two white GT3s back to back. You're going to drive yeah, his car. I'm just really keen to. Uh, I don't know. I'm not
1: sure if we'll kind of do that, and you know, no pressure. But um, I'm kind of keen to see what it's like. You know, in terms of I've got a rough idea of what he's spent on it. So, you know, as we kind of keep talking and I guess this podcast a little bit about that in terms of how values kind of stack up, um, just interested to sort of see um, the money versus kind of what you get. um, Yeah, and
0: I guess it is value for money and I I can't speak for your friend, but it seems like he Mm. was tempted with that turbo Mm. and the guy in the turbo went down a bit in price, didn't go down enough. But then he found this GT3 and obviously the GT3 is probably what he really wanted. And I guess with I this guess buy, so. and I guess with this this buy though, with the fact that if you're thinking about doing track work, which you said he may be wanting to do in the future. Yes, I think he is. Yes. And then the fact yeah. is, you've got a spare set of wheels, you know, for the track. You've got a racing seat if you need it. You've got a harness and you've got a cage as well, have you?
1: It's got everything. No. Like he, no cage. No, but you don't need the cage
0: necessarily. Yeah. So this was all part of the deal. And then if you get, yep. let's say you only get, you know, you get a ten thousand dollar discount, or Australian dollars, or you get fifteen thousand off the asking. Plus you get all these extra things. Y- yep. You can kind of see how you would go. Okay, maybe I should just do this one. You know what I mean? Because it is a GT3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting this stuff. It, maybe it makes more sense. You know what I mean? Um, Significant
1: price difference, to be really honest, though, like between a 996 turbo and a 997one well, gt GT3. Yeah, like so you're talking, probably
0: looking at, 70, you're 60, like at least, 60 to seventy thousand yeah. Australian dollars difference. So it's a big jump. So you have to have the funds. That's ready. a massive jump. Yeah, it's a huge yeah, it, jump. It, so it,
1: I wouldn't have necessarily thought, like, to be perfectly honest, that um, that you'd, you'd necessarily be kind of cross shopping those two cars.
0: True, true. You'd think maybe you'd jump to a 996 GT3, but even then, you know, a poor one is probably 150, a cheap one is 150, an expensive one is
1: 180. Yeah, well, and again, like, you know, it seems like the prices are kind of going up. Like, I noticed on the um, Porsche Forum Australia um, thing, they were commenting on my mate's car, like, and somebody just sort of said, oh, looks like the magic number now starts with a two, not a one.
0: Oh, they and, actually did yeah. comment about it? Because I did look on PFA. Yeah, somebody said that. I did comment. I did look at it to see if it actually was there and they were talking about it to see what they had to say. But mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find it for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's in that thread. There's only a couple of comments.
1: Normally, normally they sort of tend to kind of, they can be quite, um, um, put the magnifying glass over things, but um, there's only like one or two kind of
0: comments. Probably because it, it didn't so. last very long. Literally, I saw it come up, like you said, and then you said your friend was buying it, and then it was gone. So it really didn't last very long. That guy must have been very happy because he had a really quick sale, really like an easy sale. If I was in the seller's shoes, then
1: yes. um, Yeah. It was relatively easy because, like, if you kind of think about uh, uh, a whole bunch of other cars, they've kind of sat there for a very long time. But I think. Still sitting there. Yeah. Again, price has a lot, a big kind of part to play in it. I think. I have no idea, it's not me, but I think if there are people out there that necessarily kind of put like a pretty high price on their car, expecting that they can be negotiated down, like pretend it was sort of like, you know, you advertise it at whatever, 270, but you're really happy to kind of take 220 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that as a tactic because I just think that you're going to eliminate too many people. But I noticed like uh, on the your push chat your recent Porsche chat like um was it Greg Greg, suggested that you know uh, his point of view is that uh, you know, like, if you have a re- relatively educated idea of like what it's worth, then just offer it, regardless of how yeah. um, different it is compared to the um, the asking price.
0: I think that's my problem. I always get embarrassed with like giving lowball offers mm. to people or doing it, but I know everyone does it, and I know I think mm. Ajmal told me the same thing that when he when he when he bought his nine nine six, he offered the woman a lot less and said, you know, if you don't want it, then you know, I'll walk away, but you know, it's up to you, and then. Yep. She took it, you know what I mean? Like, what's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen, I guess? They can only say no, which yeah. is which is true. And you
1: don't know the seller's circumstances. I mean, I guess this is the same for anything. It's like a house or whatever it is that you're kind of selling. Um, yeah, even with the negotiation thing, my uncle was kind of just telling me a tiny little bit about he bought his car from a private seller in Brisbane. And my uncle can be pretty hardcore when it comes to, you know, negotiating. Like, I've seen him in action and he's he can get quite bullish with... Um, Negotiating, and he he went hard on his guy. <laughs> Did he? Like I, I can't remember what he sort of said that he his first offer in terms of how um, how much of a discount, but it was hefty. Um, okay. And yeah, I'm a maybe I'm a little bit softer as a person. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily kind of go that hard. But
0: so the guy took the offer. No, no,
1: it it was uh, they. Didn't, I don't think they met in the middle as such. He still got kind of, I think it was like 12 or 13 grand off the asking price, which still is, pretty good again, though. like, yeah, pretty hefty.
0: Still pretty good. I means you, when you pick up the car, you can do certain things, like you can do the ceramic coating and you can do these things and think, well, you know, I would have paid more for the car, so now it sort of makes up for it, I guess. Yeah, it's just hard to say, right, because, you know, I think if you're sitting
1: on a, no offence to, like, my uncle, but... Um, negotiating on a 991.2 Carrera S in PDK versus negotiating on a much rarer car like a 997.1 GT3. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd assume that as a seller, um, you probably have a little bit more confidence in sort of sticking to your guns, depending again on like yes. how how hard you've gone with your price.
0: Yes, um, but the Carrera they're, they're S is more rara. of them. There's a lot more Carrera yeah. S's available, right? Well, yeah, so-so. There's not a lot, but there's more. There's more. Yeah. Um, yep. But I guess that's the thing, you know, you have to, you know, I don't know. You just have to be ready to walk away, I guess. I think that's with any of these deals with anything, right? You have to be ready just to yep. say, just to walk away, whether you're, you know, a buyer or a seller, you lose a sale or, yep. you know, you don't get the car you, you want. You just have to be ready. So
1: there's always only... going to be another
0: one out there in both, in both senses, like in terms of.
1: Um, yeah. And if, you shouldn't really break the you budget. Sp- no
0: because you regret it afterwards, well, you'll feel bad about it afterwards if you really do go way over your budget, you will, you won't feel comfortable, you know, you want to be, you want to yeah. be comfortable with your purchase and you need to, you need to like buy within your means, I think. Um, so I where think are, too, like,
1: <clears throat> oh, sorry, I was just going to say like, um, I think sometimes it gets very much about ego kind of things. So, it's sort of like this magical number like when you sort of talk about your budget um you know everybody doesn't want to be sound like they've overpaid for a car and stuff like that but I think even if you never admit it to anybody but yourself or your wife or whatever or like that's a bit sexist to your husband if it's um the other way around but um you have to kind of have some sort of number in your brain that is kind of your limit um And if you don't tell anyone else, that's cool. But um, yeah, as you sort of say, breaking that is probably a bit of a no-no.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's just get into that. I don't even know what time we're at today because of the recording stopping and starting. I don't know where we're at, Steve. Um, I don't know if you have... I I don't know if we're at an hour yet. I kept recording, mate, so... Okay. Um, So car hunting, last week we had... What do we call it? Porsche hunting last week, was it? Was that the episode? Porsche hunting. Yes, Porsche hunting. So we're kind of continuing on a little bit this week, but... Yep. So, talking about how your uncle went through the process, you know, you've got your uncle that's just gone through a process of buying something privately. You've got your mate who just bought a GT3 privately. Obviously, GT3 yep. is a rarer car. Um, yep. What's the process though? What's a, is, there a, is there a simplified process? And, and we heard, you know, like what Greg was saying about buying 996s and how he sort of looks at things. Um, and, you yep. know, other people and owners' stories have also mentioned how they look at buying things like um, James, uh, Porsche Platz. How he you know yep. he buys and sells. He doesn't want to spend too much money. You know he's he looks at the the value. He's more. He really is on on in tune with the value. So how do you start? Yeah. it? You want to buy a Porsche the first time or even the second time because you made a mess the first time. What, do you, <laughs> yeah. what what do you look for, Steve? I mean, well, I think I reckon you and I are probably a
1: little bit more aligned because, like, as an example, I think compared to somebody like James who is. Maybe far more experienced, but I also think it might make a difference that he has, he's a little bit more connected in terms of being able to kind of fix things a little bit more cheaply. So, um, and he's probably maybe a little bit more confident in buying something that might not be, you know, kind of quite up to scratch. I think we might be maybe more like a sample of... Um, uh, maybe like what other people might kind of be similar to i don't know maybe
0: yeah but i think i think you know you know we wrote you wrote down some pointers and i think and i think some of them are really important and i think the main one is you know you need to be quick like what you said you need to be quick okay you need to be decisive um you know if you're looking at something like steve just said before if you're looking for a gts you know, 0.1 GTS, which is still naturally aspirated, like what um, Barry has in the UK, or you're looking at yep. a GT3, there are not so many available. People want them. So, you know, your yep. bargaining power is probably going to be less. And yeah, it's
1: just so absolutely. Like you, you, you need to have all your ducks in a row. So you got to know where the money's kind of coming from. Um, if you've kind of, once you've kind of gotten to the point, let's just pretend it's Michael with a GT3, like a 997.1 GT3, just to make it easier to talk about um in my opinion at least is that if you've kind of decided that that's the kind of car that you want and um they start kind of popping up and this is the situation that I was in as well yeah um when you know the car like in the ads and everything is good and it's reasonable money or if somebody's kind of highballing and you've kind of made contact and stuff like that if you once you kind of have the conversations you have the first few chats about you know the history and all that sort of stuff um, you need to start talking the talk pretty quickly and you need to kind of be pre- prepared to kind of put your money where your mouth is pretty much and just, you know, get to the point where you're securing it with a deposit to kind of then have it checked out properly if you're going to go down PPI route. Um, but you need to be quick because there'll be other people kind of, you know, looking at it too if the, if it's such a good car and it's um, re- relatively well-priced and all of that sort of stuff. Um... And once you start kind of fumbling with finance and, you know, having to sell other cars, you know, like if you're in that situation where you kind of go, oh, I love this car and I'm really going to, you know, really want to buy it, but I've got to sell something else first. You'll just get nowhere um, and you'll just get really frustrated for years because you, I don't think you'll kind of be able to pick um, pick up the car that you really want yeah. because you won't be ready.
0: Yeah. And you're right. You have to be ready. You have to be like what you did. You have to like say, okay, I'm not going to have my 911 for two months or three months, however long as it takes me to find my next 911, whether it be a GT3 or whatever. So you say yeah. the one you have, you have the money ready and, and um, you know, you don't necessarily have to, I mean, not everyone gets PPIs. We've, we've heard from owner stories that not everyone gets PPIs. Um, Steve mm. has told me that, you know, people he knows who bought cars recently didn't get PPIs. Um, yeah. Steve even admitted that when he bought his 1M, he didn't get a PPI, Steve, correct?
1: Yeah, so, so PPI's it depends a funny on a car, one, right?
0: But, it, but let me just get, exactly. I'll just get to the point before you start. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily, and I think I've said this before, we've said this before, I've said it before, you don't necessarily need a PPI to, to bargain the price, to, to get a deal on the price. You can no. still negotiate with the seller without a PPI. Um, obviously, the PPI would help if there's a big issue and you can say, well, I'm going to walk away if you don't fix this. The, people, the person could yeah. agree or they could not agree. Um, but Situations where you don't really need a PPI, Steve. There are some, right? You don't always need to get an inspection.
1: Ah, uh, look, and this is obviously just you know yours and ours opinion kind of thing. Like we both kind of go, oh, look, you know, I would do PPI, and I think it's because you're talking about a decent amount of money. Like as soon as you're talking a Porsche, you know, call it 100 grand Australian, say so, or thereabouts. Like to me, that's a hefty and hefty amount enough for me to kind of want some sort of surety. And I think also, um, albeit no guarantees, um, but also I've lost my train of thought. Help me.
0: PPI. Do you need it to bargain? <laughs> do you need to, do you need to get one? Bit.
1: Um, I have What's really the exception? lost my train of thought. What's the exception? Ah, the exception. um, Sorry, the other bit was because um, people like you and I aren't that mechanically sort of savvy. Like, it's not like I could kind of crawl underneath a car and know what I'm looking at. So I need a hand for somebody to kind of look at things for me. Um, that sorry, that was the other kind of bit I was supposed to say before I lost my train of thought. The exceptions would be in my in my books. Um, if you're buying from a Porsche dealer, then yeah, you know, like you'd you'd want to. If you're doing a PPI on a car in a Porsche dealer, then um, you're probably being a little bit too kind of nervous or conservative perhaps. I think so, because yes.
0: but, it has the warranty um, as well. A lot of them have that warranty and they'll yeah. guarantee it for the three months anyway, right, on a used car or they have a yeah, special yeah, warranty yeah. by law. Yep, or if
1: you're kind of buying from somebody that you actually know and you actually really kind of trust and know the kind of history, blah, blah, blah. Um, but um, that means that there's a whole bunch of other kind of scenarios like – You know, um, we bought my wife's car, the McCann, from a dealer. Um, So it instantly kind of comes with a statutory warranty of whatever it is, a month or three months, I can't even remember. But, you know, it was a Jaguar dealer. So what the hell are they going to do with a Porsche (laughs) if something goes wrong?
0: Yeah, true. You know. And I think the PPI, I think Greg said it in the last podcast, actually, in the owner stories. You know, you get this list. You know, it's a big list. You know what I mean? Some of the things, or we said it as well, and I think Greg also might have said it. You know, there's a big list. You know, that that list could scare you away from a really good car. You know what I mean? You can't let Absolutely you can't let the PPI with little things, you know, you gotta look at the list and you gotta look at these things and see, well, how much is it gonna cost? Do I really need to do it? You know, do I really wanna give up on this car, which is a good one, which you know, this nine eleven, which may not come around again for a while, and this spec and this color, you know, and the prices, like we keep saying. Yeah, and the price and it's a used car, and you have to bear in mind if it's if you're buying a nine nine six. You know, it's almost 20 years old. You know, if you're buying an 02 or a 2006, it's 20 years old. A 997 is, you know, 15 years old. You know, my car's about to turn 15 years old. There's going to be certain things that are wrong with it. You know what I mean? There's going to be certain things you have to put into it, certain costs you're going to do. Yeah, you can't yeah, just definitely. walk away. Yeah, you've got to be sure not to walk away from a good buy because it P- can scare PPIs you It's PPIs can be really scary to read it because,
1: like, you know, once you're starting to read, like, three full A4 sheets of, like, all this sort of stuff you're paying somebody to kind of be quite fussy, but then you have to kind of filter the results as such. Um, Yeah. You know, like it can undermine your confidence as to whether or not you're buying um, a good car or not. But um, so I think there's a bit of a step in that where you need, you need, you you also need to kind of have like a reasonable conversation with somebody to understand what it means. And um, you know, like for example, if you're buying a car where um, the clutch hadn't been replaced, like, To be reasonable, a clutch is a wear item, depending on the mileage kind of thing. So whether or not you can demand that somebody, you know, pays for a new clutch because, um, you know, like those sorts of things to me are kind of grey areas. Um, In a lot of ways, like I bought, uh, use me again as the example with the McCann, I knew that the brakes were very, very well worn in terms of the pads and the discs. So I kind of had to factor in that, you know, at the price that we paid that I'd be up for three grand to kind of replace um, the brakes all around, um, yeah. you know, within within six months kind of thing. So it's only for you to kind of decide how that kind of sits with you, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and my PPI, as I said, my PPI had the thing about the brake pads being worn and, and based on what Porsche dealer in Sydney had put on their inspection report that was done, that they'd had to be replaced straight away. They were like, you know, now they had to be done now. Um, four mm. years later, of course, I'm not doing a lot of miles, but four years later, my pads are still fine. You know, yeah, they're getting thin well, now. it was but, the same with the McCann. But yeah. as Auto House said, wait till that warning light comes on, and then you can change your brake pads. But if I would have walked away thinking, oh, it's going to cost me three and a half thousand, four thousand in brakes, and then I got to change the aftermarket wheels, which are awful, that's going to cost me another two thousand, then I would have missed out on a really good car. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was the same, exactly
1: the same with the McCann. It it came up as um, they were well worn in the PPI. Um, I almost tried it on the dealer that, um, they can't sell me a car with kind of warm brakes because that's not, um, legal kind of thing. Um, but it turned out that it was just beyond the kind of measurements. Then our car was still in, um, Porsche new car warranty, but it only had a couple of months left. So in order to renew the new car warranty or the, to extend the sort of, um, warranty, if we wanted to do that, um, the, the Porsche dealer wanted us to kind of change it um what happened like they lasted at least another year I think it was so it was over like a year right years. Yeah. yeah 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 so you know those sorts of things I think again like just the point in telling those stories is that um if you were to read that on a kind of written report you kind of start to kind of get a bit worried about it you start to kind of add up all these numbers but um I think you know there's just got to be a little bit of sense in in the way yeah, that you true. kind of uh, weigh it all up
0: and I think the thing about not getting a PPI, and I think we mentioned as well, is that mm. you know if some people will just get a, a if you get a service done, if the previous owner's got yep. the service done and they have the service checklist, that service checklist will have outstanding items that need to be done. Do you know what I mean? If you go yep. to someone who's yep. good, like Order House, you know they'll say that your your hinge on your petrol tank filler needs to be fixed. You know your seatbelt, belt, your, something's worn here, something's worn yeah. there. So a lot of people trust that instead of a PPI, do you know what I mean? Um, And I know some some sellers though, Steve, some sellers actually provide that, don't they? They say they had a, you know, some sellers get a service done just before they're selling it because I guess it does provide that list, you know, a little bit of a list for someone to be more comfortable with purchasing the car. So I think I was chatting to you on text because
1: like you and I are both sort of more like I'd say we're pro PPI, yeah, Um, for a Porsche particularly. But then I think I was saying to you, it reminded me because I was thinking about it, even though like a couple of people I know recently didn't go PPI, um, uh, which was in my world kind of fairly ballsy. um, I didn't do it when I bought the 1M um, as an example. So that's sort of like an enthusiast sort of fairly high performance car, blah, blah, blah. At the time, it was, can't remember, it was about 60, low 60s Australian to kind of buy into it. Right. Um, and I was thinking back about um, in that position, like normal me would go PPI. So how is it that I decided against it in that instance? Um, from memory... I was buying the seller who was fairly meticulous and I think he kind of proved that to me by kind of giving me all of the receipts and all of the kind of history and all that sort of stuff. But I think from memory one of the clinches was that the car had done, had some warranty work done at um, like the BMW dealership. Right. And they picked out um, like a common fault in 1M's which was something to do with the injectors. Um, Yeah. And... They'd also kind of picked up some other stuff, which was quite finicky. So to me, that just sort of made me realise that, um, the previous owner had kind of gone to the trouble to kind of pursue all of this sort of stuff, which then was proof that, you know, the car was really well cared for, Right. which then made me just kind of go, look, and that was in the last, you know, um, year or two. Um, and it was all documented. Like I had all, you know, like all of his kind of service receipts and everything. So I was like, you know what, that's good enough for me. Um, uh, I, I felt comfortable enough at the price that I was kind of getting that, um, yeah. you know, I didn't necessarily have to go and spend so the next 500 bucks.
0: It's what you said before, though. It's buy the seller, right? Isn't that what you say? Buy yeah, the seller? absolutely. So that's, buy that, the seller. That's, a, that's a perfect example of it. And I guess, you know, your uncle probably did the same thing. Your friend probably did the same thing. It's just feeling confident with the seller, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you can just tell that from... Like of course you that's about trust, like the seller might be kind of like a great salesman and just sort of tell you a whole bunch of shit that you kind of want to hear, but yeah you you, you there are telltale signs like to me there really are like um uh like reading through like the kind of service history like i've I've kind of got every single bit of paper uh, I've still got it for my nine six four and my nine nine three I offered to kind of give it to the kind of previous people as well if they wanted it yeah. but. Um, so, you know, everything is completely documented with my car. Even, you know, like if I've had the front bumper kind of resprayed, yep. I've taken a photo of what it was like before that. Um, oh, okay. If you find somebody like that who's kind of open to share pretty much everything with you, then you just kind of know. Um, and then I think, you know, like just in terms of general kind of car care. I can tell instantly from looking at somebody's side sills, the driver bolster, yeah, um, which the car mats. You, yeah,
0: gives you a good insight into their, into their yeah. you know, how they look like, after their car.
1: Obviously, everybody kind of rolls up. Um, everybody kind of washes their car or maybe even has it professionally detailed to kind of take the photographs and all that sort of stuff. But if you go and inspect a car, say, on a weekday, um, but it's a daily driven car, you can tell um, from the daily driven state like if it's sort of like a you know true kind of enthusiast or somebody who cares for their car as opposed to somebody who's just kind of cleaning it up to sell it sort of thing i i I reckon you can pick it like a mile off
0: yep and i think you're right i think you know the the main points um before we run out of time but the main points you know Hmm. is be ready for the purchase you know what i mean um have your funds ready be ready i mean this is pretty basic stuff really you know so you're ready so you don't have to walk away, that you don't have your finance ready, that you can negotiate better because you know what your budget is, you know how much cash you got in the bank from your previous car, you know how much extra cash you have, you know. And yeah. the research, Steve, like you said, if you're not going to do a PPI, know your research. And if the if car has a common fault, say the IMS with the 997,
1: yeah, ask make sure it. you've
0: uh, looked into that, yeah. make sure you've, you know, yeah. if, you, if you maybe in that case you want to do a PPI, maybe you want to do some other check, you know, whatever Porsche it is, there's always Porsches, whatever model, you know, the 80s Porsches, some of them, the SCs have issues as well. I think James was telling me some of them you have to check out for the, if they've had a top-end rebuild or something, you know, all these things, you have to know about all these things. So you need to have, you need to do your research and know what's going on and know whether you... I'll tell
1: you my other, mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, my other little maybe sort of tip, well, I, I tend to do it, so whether it's a tip or not, but... Um, I generally... Like, if you're kind of do, like doing the dance and you're kind of courting a seller in terms of a car and you've kind of figured out the, the history, but you're trying to figure out... Um, pretend it's a GT3, whether or not it's had its um, coolant lines pinned. Yeah. Um, or fixed, at least. Had your friends um, had that done? I don't know. I think I asked him, but I don't know whether it has has or hasn't been, um, yep. which is one of the main things on a 997.1 GT3. Um, yep. What I've tended to do is if i've gotten to the point where i know it's been serviced you know like at a certain dealer or whatever else um perhaps with the seller's permission or ideally with the seller's permission but you kind of go can i ring you know the the person that's been working on this car yeah um generally if it's a say like a porsche dealer i did this with my gt3 okay um I rang the dealership to sort of say, can you kind of just give me a quick rundown of like what works, what like what warranty work was done on it, um, blah, 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 to kind of get an idea of the timing of everything and yes. particularly kind of warranty stuff like um, RMS on the GT3. Um, and look, dealerships aren't supposed to kind of tell you that information. Obviously, it's kind of customer confidentiality and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But if you prove that you're obviously like you've got the kind of VIN number, and you like i will ring somebody up and kind of go look i'm looking to buy this car and i'm just trying to check out its history and kind of figure it all out yeah here's the vin number here's the rego number um what i really want to know is has the coolant lines been pinned in the last you know two years or you know whatever it is um they're not necessarily supposed to tell you but i've found like a lot of the times that the service manager will be kind of willing to read out um you know what's been done and I'm just sort of sitting there writing it all down so I kind of know like you, you can okay. do your research and figure it out
0: so it's best um, if you have the owner's permission to do that with their VIN get their of VIN off them and do the check yeah and yeah, also yeah, if of course. also and if they've only a good
1: a good yeah. seller will let you um will kind of go yeah look you know by all means ring ring my mechanic or ring the ring the dealership and you know do your homework because that's what I would do um I've done that many times and it's um worked out quite well
0: and I guess you know when you see ads from dealers, even Autohaus Hamilton, you know they make the point that they've serviced this car for the last ten years and they've serviced it yeah. over three owners. And I guess when you're buying yeah. from a dealer and they say that and they know the car, I mean that is you know, do you need to get a PPI in that instance? Probably Again, not, right? Yeah, that's probably not. I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a call you have to make, but I I would probably say if it's a car that Auto House Hamilton serviced and they put that down. And they're willing to answer the questions, or whoever your Porsche specialist is, and they're willing to answer the questions. Steve, you probably go, well, maybe I don't need a PPI for this one. Maybe it's actually okay.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: Because you're going to take your car to them, you're going to service it with them. You know, it's karma, isn't yeah. it? They have to be. You know, they're not going to. You would think that whoever it is, they're not going to. They're not going to swindle you.
1: Yeah, to to to, to a degree, yes. Um, but then, like after all of this kind of things, like look ppi or not there's no guarantees you're buying a used car um you know there's no there's absolutely no guarantees in any of it so then the last bit is like just um you know maybe be prepared that you like if it was me like my mate kind of thing who just picked up the um the gt3 like i think i did it myself the first thing i would do is kind of go and take it to um mechanic just to kind of have a quick one so at least you know We'd have just the get oil. a service
0: didn't you you would just get yeah, a quick service just have done. the
1: oil the filters changed all of that sort of thing get them to look at it um you know depending on how um conservative or non-conservative you are like with the brake fluid etc
0: is he doing just
1: that have everything kind of done I'm, i don't know i'm not sure I, I i i i guess um the answer is yes but um and like the worst thing that's going to happen is that you know like um, with my uncle or my mate's case is that somebody didn't disclose something or some something is kind of potentially wrong with the car, but what's the worst that's going to happen? You're just going to have to cough up some money to um, have it fixed, but then you yep. get to enjoy your you know brand spanking to you new GT3 and you're going to be grinning from ear to ear.
0: Yeah, and it comes back to the budget. You know, When I bought my car, I had a budget. I knew what I wanted to spend mm. um, and I knew mm. when the price, even the price that I got from... And because I was paying cash for my car, I wasn't financed. Um, yep. And then I also knew that, you know, if I wanted to get wheels, they would cost about this. You know what I mean? I have, a, yeah, you exactly. have a vague, I want to get the air conditioning unit. I knew how much it cost. You know, I have to get a major service done when I when I pick it up. I'm going to get the major service done. I had an idea of the cost, so I knew what extra funds I'd be up for. And I think that that's yep. the other thing you have to you have to factor in, true Steve. Like your budget yes, is just not yeah, your yeah. budget to purchase the car. The budget is what you want to fix once you pick up that car, what you want to do. You know, if yeah, it doesn't yeah, have aftermarket kind of think wheels, so you want to change it. Yep. So it's gonna cost me another, you know, five to ten grand or it's gonna cost me ten grand max, okay, I have that money. I can afford that. You know what I mean? Or you're thinking like for the
1: first year and then maybe the second year, um, you're thinking about your basic expenditure, like whether it's maintenance or kind of fun stuff. Like The fun stuff is obviously fun stuff because that's when it becomes more like a hobby and, you know, like it's a bit weird when you (coughs) kind of factor like hobby money into maintenance money. To me, they're two completely different things. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't think I've spent that much money on my car. I haven't really added it up. (laughs) I don't think it's been that much. You know what I mean? Maybe Do it's a spreadsheet, 10, mate. I'd love for you to do a maybe, spreadsheet. Maybe it's been 10 grand. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that much, really. Or well, maybe.
1: I, I, I did it once on my 993 and I scared the absolute shit out of myself. I can say it now because um, I don't own the car anymore, but yeah. I th- I I think I spent like 70-something on did, that car. Like,
0: just to put it into perspective, though, didn't you actually spend in the how many years of ownership was a 993? 12. Twelve years of ownership you spent basically yeah. the cost of the car in maintenance and No, molds. I didn't
1: pay seventy for it, but um, <laughs> I paid more than seventy <laughs> for it, but yes. I I poured an absolute bucket load of money into it. But see, like that's the thing, when you hear somebody sort of say that out loud, that's not because it but needed it's seventy years. grand's worth of money. And, and But even, like, just the first bit is that that doesn't mean that it was a bad car and unreliable or whatever. That's more because I'm a maniac and I was just stupid enough to kind of just wanting to keep playing with the thing. It, yeah. You know, like, in the actual kind of physical upkeep and the yeah. the maintenance that it required, Yeah, it probably – I think that was sort of more like probably 20 over 12 years, not 70. Yeah. Um, the 50 that I spent was like, you know – Wheels and like fooling around with like all these kind of extra bits that I sort of got enjoyment out of. But
0: that's why it's a hard question. You know, people say, how much in maintenance should it be a year? How much is it going to cost me? It's a pretty, really, it's a hard question to ask. And I remember when I was, I, mm, when I was looking is. at those Ferrari chat forums and looking at that about, they were talking about the cost. And some people were saying, oh, it's going to cost you 9,000 US a year on average. to then other people saying, oh, no, it's only going to yes. cost you 4,000 US a year. And then someone posted in the UK the price of a service for a cam belt service for a 3, 2A GTS and it was only something like 1,300 pounds or something, you know, with mm. the cam mm. belt, which is actually 1,300 pounds. I thought, wow, I thought a cam belt change on a Ferrari would have been, you know, six or 7,000. I didn't realize it was only 1,300 pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: So yeah, it, it's, it's like you have to, to be
0: – it's research, isn't it? It's research to know the costs yeah. of these things and know because – and it's hard to say to someone if I buy a Porsche how much it's going to cost me each year. Well, it's going to cost you Regia this much. It's going to cost you – you know just the other i think the other point to make on that though is that even
1: maintenance isn't sort of like a definitive thing because like you know um porsche's leak even the new ones they still kind of weep oil here and there so like if you want it to be absolutely kind of perfect you're going to spend a shitload of money on it but just because it's kind of got a little you know bit of weeping here and there doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it like if they all kind of do that but they run perfectly fine or you know like your little power steering weep uh, as an example like I think they sort of said to you, that doesn't need to be kind of fixed straight away. So you could kind of fix that 12 months time until it, like once it starts to leak properly and it starts to cost you bigger money. So yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it's all, it, it it actually still to me, I kind of say it a lot. Uh, a big factor in that is actually how fussy the kind of um, owner is. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd rate you as quite fussy I what? think I rate myself as quite fussy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but there are people like that are willing to kind of you yeah. know that wouldn't wouldn't spend the money on it yeah um,
0: yeah. So, all right yeah. I think we're running out of time I just want to mention we haven't we're not going to get time to talk about the couple of other things I wanted. we wanted to talk about Steve I think oh, we're out of time fine. but I was just going to say um, it just brings me back to the point of the GT3 video and if you haven't seen it already everyone should go and watch it the one with Chris Harris uh, where he gets a view of That's the good. GT3. Last week, we spoke about the Carfection one with, um what's her name? Catchpole. Hatchpole. Catchpole. But the, Har- the, the Harris really one is actually seemed to, I mean, his relationship with AP seems to be quite strong. Um, it's a good video. Go and watch that. And also go and watch the Jay Leno uh, and his GT Carrera. Um, video, Watch career, that one because yeah. it sounds absolutely amazing. But I just want to go back yeah. before we leave because we're going to go now because we're, we're. I think this is a really long one today because I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm out of whack with the time here. No, I just want to say the GT3 um, AP, uh, Prudinger from Andreas Prudinger, who's the head of the GT department with all the GT3s, yep. and it's in the Chris Harris video, and they're talking about the 991. And Chris Harris was very polite about it, you know, about the issues with the 991 generation. Do you remember this? And oh, yes. And yeah. AP said, he said, you know, people thought the car was breaking because there was this noise at a certain rev or something. Did you do you remember that part? He said when you get to a certain thing there's a there's noise uh, sort of because said the like noises, in the last 1000 revs. Yeah, in the last 1000 revs. He said it's yeah. not breaking. He said it's not breaking. It's just the noise the engine makes. And I thought that was I thought that was quite good based on the fact that that the 991.1 GT3 had the engine issues and he just that's how he kind of just said it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, Do you know what I'm that getting you sort at? of say like, that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, sort of. Like it's actually similar, um, I think I've said this before, um, with my car and my mate who's obviously now getting to know his, he sort of mentioned that he had a funny little knocking noise from the front left strut. Oh, okay. And I just it reminded me it's like, ah, uh, yeah, you know what? Like you jump into these cars and they make kind of weird noises from everywhere. There's creaks and there's kind of little rattles and there's vibrations all over the shop, like Particularly with GT3s, um, uh, people kind of warn you that, like, that's just part of the character of the car, that they kind of just make all these kind of weird noises that you probably wouldn't accept in a, you know, C C200 Merc kind of thing. But, yeah. But um, is it the less sound?
0: Is because they have li- uh, less sound deadening? Less sound deadening?
1: I don't know. No idea. Mine certainly creaks in kind of weird places, and when you hit certain revs, like, kind of other bits in the cabin um, resonate with it.
0: Um, yeah. And also when you've got a roll cage like yours, you know, you hear it. You do actually hear the roll yeah. cage. Yeah, um, yeah, but
1: it reminded me just um, when my mate sort of mentioned something about it. And it's like, yeah, and what you just sort of said about AP and um, the last 1000 rev range in nine hundred one point one.
0: But I think when you first pick up your car... And like probably because he's driven it from Bathurst and it's a few hours drive. And I mean, I remember yeah. when I first picked up my car, it's like everything you hear, everything thinking something's wrong. What's that noise? What's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? And there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. It's just that kind of thing, that nerves, excitement when you first get in your, you know, your first 911 or your second 911 or your first GT3 and you go, what is wrong? What's wrong? And most of the times, yeah. it's nothing and anything, most of these things can be fixed. Oh, let's be honest, most of well, us things can be fixed exactly. at a cost, of course, oh. but... You know what's the worst? That I was going to say really? to you
1: that that bit is go back to my kind of fussiness thing. It's like oh, there's a funny kind of noise, but it's like well, if that funny little noise is going to cost you like another two grand, it's like mm, I think I'll live with it.
0: Yeah, if that funny little noise is like when Steve's driving somewhere in the north, north shore in Sydney and and all the coolant <laughs> starts leaking out of his GT3, <laughs> and luckily yeah, he and that's has, different. luckily he can, it's close enough that he can drive it to order house and finds out that he's got a big cost coming up, at least it can yeah. be fixed,
1: right? Exactly. You, and
0: exactly. bear that in mind, if you're buying a GT3, as Steve said, and you're buying a 997 GT3, you, get the, you make Pinned sure the coolant lines. lines have been done, right? Yep. Because they have to drop the engine to fix it, so it's not a cheap yep. cost. And when you're in there, you may as well do um, the clutch, right? At the same uh, exactly. time. Which <laughs> just what Steve did. And then... <laughs> and then? <laughs> and then you have to go and crack open the piggy bank. Yeah. And then your piggy bank is empty for a few months. All right, um, I think that's it, mate. Let's call it a day. Cool, cool. thanks all for good. that. Have a good week. No worries.
1: Yeah, you too. Cheers, man.
0: All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. What else? That's it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I am. <laughs>
1: I seriously am all to over your, the
0: place. Okay. You have to uh, do your sign off thing. <laughs> yeah, no, got to do the sign off. Okay, everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you. For, thank you for listening to the Portugal cool Podcast. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye for now.